awesome. You know, you noticed how all those little clips too. Uh, parents are most of the time portrayed as idiots. Uh, or either nincompoops or really don't have a clue on life or overbearing ogres that really don't have love or their kids' best, you know, best uh, intentions in mind. And, and I don't know if that's because there's some weird plot or if it's because the people who, who, who write sitcoms don't have healthy mothers and fathers to write out of or I, I don't know what it is, but we're going to talk today about parenting and valuing the role of parents. So God, I'm asking right now that you would um, help me to be clear and help us uh, to just see the beauty of being a parent. Some of us are parents right now of little ones. Some of us are parents of, uh, of older ones. All of us have parents. Hopefully we have parents, or at least a parent, and uh, we're now an adult and interacting in that relationship. So I pray that you would help us go to new places today and help my words to be in sync with your heart and to articulate reality. Amen. Well, a theme verse, a through verse we're trying to take throughout this whole series, whether it's the role of friend or it's the role of being single or the role of being parents, and next, next week the other role we're going to look at is this one from the book of John chapter 15 when Jesus says, You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because servants do not know their master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I've made known to you. We looked the first week at how this doesn't mean that we're on the same level as God. God is transcendent. He's holy. He's above. He's of a different category than me. And yet, in the midst of that reality, he doesn't want to treat me like a slave. He doesn't talk to me like a slave. When I'm a slave, I really have no relationship. I don't understand the grand scheme of things at all. And Jesus says there's a friendship aspect to how God interacts with us. It's a beautiful, beautiful imagery. And when we are uh, in a single situation, grooming friendships, it's an amazing thing. And as parents, when we're building to having a friendship with our kids, it is an amazing, amazing thing. In the book of Psalms, chapter 127, it gives this verse. It says this, Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. Other translations say children are a blessing. I have to admit that when I read this verse, this, this doesn't articulate many of the ways that I think about my kids. Or you might think about your kids. We sometimes make jokes about, man, kids are hard, it's difficult, they take all our money away. I mean, you've all seen the statistics of how much a kid costs from zero to 18, or we can bemoan the fact that we don't have as much freedom as we did before we had kids, or, or we all kinds of things, and we can just kind of you know, have little jokes every once in a while. But really, that misses the point. My kids are a blessing. Kids are a blessing. They, they actually help leave a legacy. In ancient cultures, all ancient cultures, and still many cultures today in our society, kids are needed. It is an obvious blessing because families are, are larger extended enterprises, if you will, where there's land holdings and there's businesses. You need a large family to, to grow the family net worth, to grow the business. You, you, you need that. That's not as obvious in our American society today when we're, we're grooming kids to leave the house. We're grooming kids to graduate, to go on and do their own thing. But nonetheless, even though we don't have that, at least in my family, we don't have that ongoing extended family enterprise thing happening. No question, my kids are a blessing. I, I have so many people in my life who are friends 
uh, that I thought I would be interacting with for a long time. And there's all kinds of friends that I've had in my life, in my past, different places I've lived, that I have very little interaction with right now. How many of us can identify a friend that we've had that we thought they were going to be best friends forever and now we find that we rarely interact with them? Any of us in here? Yeah, a bunch of us. You know, like my, my best man, my best man at my wedding. I, I can't remember the last time I talked with him. You just, you just move away and there's only so much time for relationships. And yet, my kids, our kids, will be my friends forever. No matter where we live, no matter what's happening, they are there. They are a blessing. What goes around comes around. I wipe their rear end, they're going to wipe my rear end. No, no other friend I have will wipe my rear end. And they, but they will do that for me. I hope that's way long in the future. But nonetheless, they will. There's a, there's a, there's a magic and a blessing to that. And I want to talk today about four phases of, of, of parenting. Uh, I am not a perfect parent. I've made plenty of mistakes. I have, but I've gone to school on my parents. I've also gone to school on a bunch of other parents. Whenever I've seen a kid who's, say, 12 years old and is confident and is coming against peer pressure, I know there's a mom or a dad that's done their job. And so I've interviewed them. So tell me, what did you do? What have you learned? Whenever I see a 22-year-old that's set, understanding where he or she is going and is confident, secure, putting things together in life, I go, there was a great parent there somehow. I've interacted with those parents. And so I've got four things that I've been working uh, in our family. Libby and I have been working in our family. Four phases. Um, and the four phases of friendship. And, and this is basically the graph that we're going to work through today. There's two variables in parenting. There's the authority variable, how much you ramp up your authority. And then there's the friendship factor, how much you ramp, ramp up your friendship. And these are the four phases we're talking about. The nurse phase, the king phase, the coach phase, and the friend phase. Uh, let's talk about these because these are in sequential order. And first is the nurse phase. The nurse phase is when there's very low authority, very low friendship. There's a little, you know, creature that's just kind of popped out or that you've just adopted. And this, this, this little creature, you're not really exerting authority over. And you're also not really hanging out as friends. You are a nurse. A nurse, a nurse simply meets needs and has no expectation for return. You just meet needs. There's something that needs fed. You feed it. There's something that needs vomit cleaned up. You clean it. There's, there's something that needs tucked in. You, they're, 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 it's, it's really difficult. Now, uh, this is, get ready everybody, this is my first Christmas verse I'm about ready to give you. You know, yes, I, I, um, I don't like Christmas when it comes too early. How many of us get annoyed when there's Christmas music before Thanksgiving? Yeah, come on! That's ridiculous. If you need Christmas music to get you cheered up before Thanksgiving, then see a psychiatrist, get some Prozac, something. I mean, you know, why ruin all the stations for us? I'm ready for Christmas music right now, but not earlier. Well, here it goes. My first Christmas verse, it's a parenting verse. Look what Mary does when Jesus is born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Jesus goes through all four of these phases, I believe. In this one here, we see Jesus is nursed. Mary is just caring. Mary and Joseph are caring and doing things for Jesus that he couldn't do for his own. Meeting needs, meeting expectations. What's really annoying, though, is when you're getting nursed when you're 16 years old. Man, 16-year-olds don't want to be nursed any longer. you got to give 16-year-olds freedom. All of us understand this, this, this nursing phase. And in all these phases, there's no hard and fast age breakdowns either. 
All of these age breakdowns, when you go into one phase or out of another, are dependent on a variety of circumstances, the, par- uh, the, the personality of your child, who you are, all kinds of different things. But this is the only age that's secure. The nursing age starts at zero, age zero. When it ends, don't know exactly. Actually, I do know when it ends, but I don't know exactly what date it is. The, 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 you know that the nursing stage has ended whenever your child says one word that only has two letters. You know what that word is? No! Yeah, as soon as you hear, no! It is time for you to stop being a nurse. Because then the next phase is very important, the king phase. The king or the queen phase. Parents need to be king. A mom needs to be queen. When you're in the king or the queen phase, it means that you articulate reality and the rules with absolute authority. Absolute authority. Anytime you're a king and your kid says no, that is a problem. That is a problem. In this phase, kings know that they know more than their kids do. Believe me or not, if, if you have a child, guess what? You're actually smarter than them. I, I know that's hard to believe, but you actually, are, you actually know more than they do. You actually have more life experience than they have. You've actually been through more hard times than they have. You actually have more learnings. You understand the world way better than they do. And so one of the ways that you bless your kids is to tell them reality and to hold them to reality. This is, this is very, 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 very important. And part of the reason why um, I want to talk about this one a bit is uh, this is probably the one I see that's most lacking. Our society uh, doesn't, seems to not want parents to be a king or to be a queen. We want our kids to express themselves even if it's rebelliously. No, I don't want my kids to express themselves rebelliously. No, not acceptable. Tell me don't play that game. No, that's not, that's not acceptable. I've even heard, I've even heard things where parents shouldn't say no to their kids. This is, this is ridiculous. When you are a king or a queen, there's no bartering. There's no negotiation. You are exerting influence and authority because that is appropriate at that time. Now, part of the outage with this word, I chose a very difficult, overbearing word here, is because we think that kings and queens are intentionally evil, that that's a bad phrase. Hey, I didn't say be a bad king. I didn't say be a, you know, um, you know, a, a dictatorial ogre of a queen. <laughs> Just said be the ultimate authority. You can be a great loving king, a great loving queen. Here's what we see in the book of Proverbs, how parenting and being a great king goes together. Check this out. If a king judges the poor with fairness, his throne will be established forever. A rod and a reprimand impart wisdom, but children left to themselves disgrace their mother. So mothers and fathers have a lot in common with great kings. Great, you can be a great king and honor the poor, honor those in poverty, have the right systems, enforce those things, and your country should prosper. At the same time, you can be a great mom, a great dad that imparts discipline, imparts it as a king does, as, as a queen does. The book of Ephesians chapter 6 puts it this way. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. 
Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Here we see both sides of the equation. First is, children, obey your parents. Why? Because when you obey them, they know reality better than you do. <laughs> they understand how the world works. And when you do that, guess what? You are going to have a good life. It's going to go well with you. So obey. At the same time, fathers, mothers, don't be this overbearing ogre that needlessly makes your children exasperated, needlessly makes them angry. Sometimes my kids are angry. It's because they're immature. <laughs> Sometimes they're angry because they're wrong. So it's not that I want to keep my kids from being exasperated, but there are times when I'm just not making the right decision and I'm needlessly exasperating my children. That's not a good thing at all. Here's, here's how this looks. It could look a number of ways. One way is uh, whenever a child lies, it's always wrong, and you tell them it's wrong. It's just, no, we don't do that, and there's consequence to that. No, no, I'm saying to you as a child, no, we don't do that, and here's the consequences. Sometimes it means that you can look out for yourself and don't worry about the kids' needs. I know that sounds really weird, but it's true. Here's, here's an example. When I come home, uh, and if I want to detach, and I want to detach by watching television, sometimes Mariah, my, uh, our youngest daughter, we've got an 11-year-old, a 16-year-old, and an 18-year-old, will be watching television. We have one DVR, so there's recorded programs on there, and she's watching her endless marathon and John and Kate plus eight and, and their ruined life, whatever the heck it's called. It's just this ongoing difficulty of just, well, on. and she, she, she could watch nine hours straight of John and Kate plus eight, just forever and ever and ever. So when I come in, if it's time for me to watch the television, then guess what I tell her? Time for you to go, honey. I'm going to watch Sons of Anarchy right now. And uh, that is not... That, that is not a good show. I hate to admit that I watch Sons of Anarchy, but man, it is a good show. It's also not a show that my kids should be watching at all. And so guess what I do? I say, hey, honey, time for you to go find something else to do because dad's going to watch television. And I have no qualms at all saying time for me to watch television. You can go have your mind melt down in some other mindless activity, but it's my time for this. So I, I have no problem with that at all. I have no problem with that at all. I have no problem with, with telling children, this is what we have to do. You must do this. This is healthy. This is necessary. There's the king. There is the queen face. See, the problem, the problem with our parents or with many of us who are struggling with being a king, being a queen, is we're struggling with we had our parents maybe never transition out of our fit, this phase. The problem is not being a king or queen. The problem is when we don't transition out of this phase. Oftentimes we just react rebelliously against our parents' parenting style. So if our parents were authoritative, dictatorial kings and queens and still are today, we entirely rebel and the pendulum swings over the other side and we just don't want to draw any boundaries for our kids. We don't want to do anything, raise our voice. We don't ever want to cause our kids to cry. We don't, want, we don't even want to give them a time out because we're rebelling. At the same time, I know a lot of parents who had very permissive parents and they realize that there's problems, issues in their life right now and the pendulum swings over and they have a rule for everything. <laughs> They have a rule and a reason and that for, for everything. The problem is not the king or the queen phase. The problem is we need to move on. At some point, you must move on. We must move on to the coaching phase. What does a coach do? A coach, a coach is on the sidelines encouraging and cheering on their kids who are now on the field. A coach is, is in that place urging, urging, imploring, uh, enabling the kid to do it on his own. A coach encourages, comforts, pushes. 
Uh, this means that when it's my kids' time to do an art project, guess who does it? They do the art project. That's a radical thought to parents today. Yes, let your kids do their school project. Don't allow your self-esteem to be caught up in making sure they get an A so that you feel good about yourself and all that. Sit in the silence. Allow them to do the work. Coach them. Because as parents, we're trying to get our kids to do things that we can't do for them and we won't always be around them. Here's an example. I was thinking about this with uh, Lena, our oldest. When we were right going from the king phase into the coaching phase, we were in some discussion, and I said something that she was really bothered by, and I really, I really don't remember what it was. I, I could have even been wrong. I, I don't, believe it or not, I am wrong sometimes. I actually could have been wrong. I, I don't know, remember what happened, but all I do remember is she got upset, and she stormed out of the room. We were in the middle of this conversation, and she just got, <gasps> and she stormed out of the room, and as she's walking out of the room, right when she got the door, I said, eh! Get back in here right now. Turn around and get back in here right now. Right now. And she, she wanted to leave. I said, no, get back in. I put on my king on. I said, get back in here right now. You don't walk out of the room on me. You don't do that. You don't just walk out when you're upset. You're going to stand here and you're going to tell me why you're upset right now. I don't know why am I doing this. First of all, I'm putting my king on. I don't want her to dishonor me, just storm out of the room. It's dishonoring me. Not going to happen. Not only that, but I've got a teachable moment here right now. I know that there's going to be times, if she's in college, when a professor is going to do something that's wrong or that upsets her. And rather than storm out of the classroom upset at the end, she's going to need to garner her emotions, walk up, and actually have a conversation with the professor. She's going to be in a work environment where she's going to want to melt down emotionally. All of us are. And needs to learn to put the emotional feelings to one side of her brain and leverage the other side and actually interact. This is a coaching moment to help her talk through things and state her position even when things are difficult. I'm coaching. I'm not trying to get my way in this situation. I'm trying to coach her, get her to succeed, setting her up to go places where she needs to go when I'm not even. That's what a coach does. A coach can't do it, but sits on the sidelines and encourages, gives opportunities. I, I remember giving my kids, our kids, opportunities. And they're real, real, real little. I remember Lee and Jake and I went to, I don't even, Mariah might not even be born yet. We went to a Cincinnati Reds game. And they were like, I don't know what they were, maybe six and eight. Um, real, real, real little ones. And, uh, and I was at this Reds game and I wanted a hot dog. And I knew it was a time to coach them and see them fly. So I gave them money and said, would you go get me a hot dog? Now, I wouldn't do this in the Bronx. If this is the Bronx, I would not. It's Cincinnati. Come on. Get over it. It's fine. It's fine. I said, would you go get me a hot dog? And so they took off. They looked at me like, I said, you could do it. Go get me a hot dog. So they go. They're getting a hot dog. And I, I, I couldn't see them for a while. And they came back. They had that hot dog. They both grew six inches. They were like walking back off happy on themselves. I got that hot dog. Yeah. I'm a big guy. I'm a big woman. They came back and brought me that hot dog. And that was a calculated risk that I took. But when I saw them grow, this is what you do as a coach. You, you put your kids in situations that are, that are stretching to them, that, that, that don't have a lot of downside, and you watch them grow. There's a power to this. I was watching recently the documentary on Mike Tyson. Anybody see that documentary on Mike Tyson? Not many people. You will after you see this video clip. I'm going to show a video of Mike Tyson. And the, 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 the movie is all about his story from his perspective and in his voice. And if you know anything about his perspective, 
He was, uh, had a very troubled background. He didn't have mom and dad that nursed him. He didn't have a mom and dad who kinged him. He didn't have a mom and dad who coached him. He didn't have that. It was part of the issues, his difficulties. And he found himself in all kinds of detention homes. His life started to turn for the better when there was a trainer named Customato that came into his life and actually filled the role of father for him. For those of us who have been kinged and coached and our parents have moved on to the, on to the front phase, we're thankful for them being a queen. We're thankful for them coaching. We know that the relationship is powerful because, of, in fact, many of us do not have a good relationship with our parents right now because they didn't honor this process. This is the process that sets us up to be lifelong great friends. One of the early uh, founders of the movement of Jesus that swept the globe and is impacting the world right now is a guy by the name of Paul, who's also known as the Apostle Paul. Look how he likens his leadership to what a great parent does. Here's what he says. You know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. That's what coaches do. Encourage, comfort, urge. And one of the things that coaches and kings do, well, and friends too, all of them actually, follow through. Always follow through. Man, when, if you ground your kid for seven days, Make it seven days, not five and a half days, seven days. You tell your kids you're going to take them to the movies on Friday night, even you break your arm, take them to the movies on Friday night. Build the, build the reservoir of trust that everybody needs in their king, everybody needs in their coach, everybody needs in their friend. I got an email recently which reminded me how we got some great coaches around here. Uh, this came from a parent, I don't know this person, but man, I love this, love this email. Talking about last week's Thanksgiving food drive. How fun was that, huh? Was that cool? Oh, man, we're going we're gonna to have a video coming up that in, weeks in, the in the weeks ahead. Very, very neat. Here, here's what this uh, parent says. We've been coming to Crossroads for seven years, and so once again, we filled up our boxes drop, and dropped them off. It is part of our Thanksgiving tradition. There are even pictures in our scrapbook of the kids filling up the boxes. This year, as we drive, the kids are not excited. Our eyes are dry. The kids barely look up from the DS slash iPod to view the mountain of boxes. At first, I was almost angry. Look, it's amazing. It's crazy to see this all, all this generosity. And later it hit me. They're growing up here. They know nothing else. This isn't crazy generosity to them. This is just what you do. You help others. You go on mission trips. You serve. You give. I may be slow on the uptake, but I've always believed it when you said the crossroads is going to change the world. But it never dawned on me is that one way of doing that is raising an entire generation of children that think that, think that crazy generosity is normal. I can't wait to see what they do with that. Is this a parent that is coaching their kid, allowing them to come along and see things, experience things, taking them to, to new places. That's why I love when we do things like angel tree. Not only do we fill in for parents that are absent or in difficult times by simply giving kids a blessing, but we also, if we have kids, get to do something like that with them at the same time. The coach role is beautiful, but it's not as fun as the final role, the role of friend. This is what we build to. We build to the friend role. The friend role is when we're now peers. We're now peers. I'm not building into you because you are now beneath me. We're now actually building into each other. There is mutual encouragement, mutual comfort, mutual pushing. We're both helping each other. Yesterday, as, as I was kind of running through this, I had one of my kids. 
sit through and hear what I was going to be talking about and said, let me hear what, what do you think? What should I say differently? How do you think this was? In fact, one of my kids said, you ought to do the follow-up thing, Dad. Do the follow-through. That's a real important thing. Good, I'll put that point in there. I'm getting to a point where they're building into me and helping me be better. This is fun. This is really fun. Now, let me give one idea for those of us who are in this friend phase with, with our kids. And, and again, I don't know what the age time frames or parameters on this. You can decide this based on a number of different factors. But one thing I, I want to encourage all of us to do as parents or as kids of adult parents is spend money on the friendship. Spend money. It's, it seems like as parents it's so natural to save up and spend money for the responsible things in the future. And that's good. That's wonderful. It's a beautiful thing. But friendships also demand a certain level of outlay. Any friend you have, you go to a concert with them or you go to a movie with them or you, well, whatever it is. And, and, and I'm extra sensitive right now to how do I spend money on the friendship with the kids? Uh, Lena is certainly, our oldest daughter, certainly getting into the earliest phases of that friendship phase. And when she went away to college, I realized, oh my goodness, there is a, definitely a severing here. There is a different world she's in. And now with my middle child, Jake, my son, I realize I got one more summer left with him. That's it. He's a captive audience for only one more summer. What can I do to really enjoy this time and, and, and leverage this time? So I thought, well, what would I do with a good friend? What would, what would be fun? I know. I like to go on motorcycle trips. Jake and I are going to go on a motorcycle trip this summer. That's what we're going to do. So before I go any further... I'm going to give all of you a lot of reasons to judge me right now. <laughs> There's multiple things you're going to disagree with or not like or put on me. I, I understand that. I'm over myself over that. Don't, don't do what I'm doing. If you want to be like judging me, that, well, that's not cool, but I, I'll get over it. But just think about how you would apply this to your situation, okay? So I'm thinking, man, I, I got to figure this out. So I call up a buddy of mine. And I say, hey, man, can I borrow your motorcycle this summer? I'm going to put Jake through a motorcycle safety training course sometime this spring. And I'd like to take a trip with him. Can I, can I borrow your motorcycle? And he said, uh, well, you know what you ought to do is you've always wanted one of those motorcycles that goes on-road and off-road because you always want to do an Alaska trip someday. Why don't you go buy a, that kind of motorcycle, end of the riding season, it's a bad economy, and uh, you could use that whenever you want to do that in the future, and you can let, let your son ride that one on your trip. I'm like, hmm. I think I will buy one. That's a great idea. So I've been, I've been addicted to Craigslist over the last couple of weeks. Found this motorcycle, awesome motorcycle, great price, down in Northern Carolina. And so two days ago, Jake and I got in, the, got in a pickup truck at 6 o'clock in the morning. So we're going to go get this. So we, I had from 6 a.m. until 1 a.m. with him in a truck, going down, getting this motorcycle, putting the back of a truck, coming back. And then, you know, about 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock, a wild hair hit me. And I said, you know what? I've never had a chew with my son. That needs to change right now. So we pull over, bought a can of Skull, had a chew. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Two friends in a pickup truck with a motorcycle in the back having a chew. That is living. God bless America. Come on. Oh, man. Uh, now you might not do that. That might not be you, but it worked for us. The friendship thing. The friendship. And he's right. He's right going from the coach. He's on the line going from coach into friend. And so I want to start thinking these ways. Some of us have older kids, older children, 20, 30 years old. Hey, um, 
if you would give a 30-year-old friend money to get out of a situation, then if your kid is in a difficult way and 30 years old, then give him money. If you wouldn't give a 30-year-old friend certain money, don't give your child that money at 30 years old. If there was something that you would say to a 40-year-old friend, and if your child is in the same situation, then say it to them as a 40-year-old. If not, don't say, when we see this friendship thing, it all of a sudden starts to make sense and things start to open up. There's a power to friendship. I, I want that power in my kid's life and I want them to have that power over me, but we have to honor the phases. We have to honor this process, this, this developmental process. Psalm 68, verse 5. Last verse I'll share with you today. Here's what it says. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. I, I, I can't talk about this without knowing that there's many of us that have deep pains from how we were parented or deep pains to us not having a parent. We, it's just deep for us. And uh, when we hear about what parenting looks like or what a good mom would look like or what a good dad might look like, it's natural to be bitter, regretful of lost opportunities. And I think for those of us who are in that situation, God wants us to remember that parents are merely stand-ins for God. Parents act on behalf of God, but God is the ultimate source. And we can lean into who God is and allow ourselves to be fathered by Him. That's why we're going to do this song again. It says, Father of lights, you delight in your children. This comes from the book of James and says, every light you see in the sky comes from the very hand and mind of God. And every good thing that drops into my lap comes from God, every good thing. And even the bad things that are in my lap, I know that I have a father that somehow is in control and somehow can meet me in that time of need. And so God, I am, I am praying for the parents in here that we can, we can be your stand-ins, we can be uh, your ambassadors with our kids. And I'm also praying for the kids in here. 12, the, not the 12 year olds, they should be in kids club, but the, uh, but the, the 18 year old kids and the 20 year old kids and the 40 year old kids in here that, uh, that we would look to you as our ultimate father who only has our best interests at heart. Hear these words from your children. Why don't we stand right now and uh, let's sing this together.